Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. We're on a series called What Three Words? If you've missed the last few, we're, we're basing our series on the idea of the app, What Three Words, which divides the world into three by three meter grids and uh, uses three specific words to identify each of those grids and um, each of those specific points on the planet. And we, we like the idea in terms of what can we look at as far as three words are concerned that will anchor us to a particular point in our walk with God, to a particular place in our relationship with Jesus. And so uh, that's where we are. We're on week three, I think. And my three words are count the cost. Count the cost. When Jesus said these words to the crowds that were following him, he said them in a particular context and for a particular reason. And it is relevant to us, but I want you to understand what was happening. You see, when Jesus was, was walking around, people were being heal, healed and miracles were taking place and all sorts of stuff was kicking off. There was a crowd of people who were following Jesus, and they were excited to see what Jesus would do next. In John chapter 6, uh, they, they encountered Jesus. It says in verse 30, so they asked him, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? So they were chasing Jesus down to see some amazing things, to see some miracles take place. What will you do, they said. Our forefathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, Give us this bread. So this, they weren't really interested in the things that Jesus was saying, per se. They were just interested in the stuff that was happening. They knew about the miraculous, the, the five loaves and the, the fish. They knew about people being set free and people being healed, and they just wanted to see stuff. And so Jesus speaks to the crowd. And he speaks to the crowd very clearly and he speaks to us very clearly today because we too could fall into the danger of wanting to be entertained. We could fall into the danger of wanting to be entertained. All emotion, but no real connection. Jesus speaks to the crowd, and what he says is certainly not, hey guys, come to me, I will make your life amazing, and you will never have any problems again. It'd be great if that's what Jesus said, but he doesn't say that. He says this, verse 25, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. 
Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now you can imagine the crowd waiting for, I don't know, some some bread, Jesus to make some bread out of nothing or to, to magnify something or some dead person to be raised to life. You can imagine them expecting to see that and instead hearing these words. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus challenges them and he challenges us to be participants and not spectators. Participants and not spectators. It's easy to come along and to sit down on a Sunday and to soak it all in and then to leave, but have only watched what was happening instead of actually engaging with what was happening. We have to be careful that we don't become people who sit on the sidelines and watch stuff happening around us when we have an opportunity to take part in what God is doing. When Jesus spoke to the crowd, he used very sharp images. If you do not hate your mother, your father, your wife, your children and brothers and sisters, even your own life, you cannot be my disciples. He was saying that, and it sounds really harsh, but he was saying that because he's saying, listen, your love for me in comparison to your love for them must look like hate for them. That's how great your love for me must be. It is, it is a, a, a kind of a thing where they do to, to compare things to make a point. And the Greek word there carries the idea of choice or priority. Jesus is saying, I have to be first. If you're going to follow me, I have to be first. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, can I afford this? Can I afford this? We can't just wander in blindly into following Jesus, wander in and think, this is going to be great, I'm, everything is going to be brilliant after this. As soon as I give my life to Jesus, the rain is going to stop, the sun is going to come out, and it's going to be summer for the rest of my life. That would be nice. I mean, we do need rain, but some sun is better. Summer is the best season. I just want to put it out there. Yeah, it's the best season. In the UK, summer is the best season. I just want you to know that. Can I afford this? When we hear the words count the cost, when we think about our own lives, it's easy to think about can I afford this? Because there's a cost to being a disciple. And I want you to think about that because sometimes in my life when things are tough and I get a bit whiny and a bit whingy about this should be easier, I have to remind myself this is a cost. It costs to follow Jesus. And so I can't labor under the misapprehension that following Jesus is just an easy ride. Sometimes it is difficult, but I have to count the cost. I'm going to show my age here. There's an old DC Talk song called So Help Me God. Uh, but there's a great line in it. It says, daily taking up my cross has brought its share of splinters. Daily taking up my cross has brought its share of splinters. Following Jesus and taking up our cross means that there is a cost. The other thing is living our lives in the light of the cross, following the way of Jesus, 
will at no, no doubt at all will create internal and external conflict. Absolutely, internal and external conflict. Internal in the sense that we're dealing with our old selves. We're dealing with, with our lives pre the cross and pre giving ourselves to Jesus. We're dealing with all of that stuff. We're dealing with our selfishness. We're dealing with our doubt. We're dealing with what do I want to do as opposed to what does Jesus want me to do. And so there is an, ex an internal conflict that takes place when we live our lives in the light of the cross. There's also an external conflict that takes place. What does society say is good, and what did Jesus say is good? Sometimes, many times I would say, those two things do not match. And so there is a pressure, there is a sense that, that we, we fight against the need to fit in, the resistance to godly things around us, there is an external conflict that goes on. But we have to count the cost, and we have to bear our own cross. Mr. Butler says this, the cross was the repulsive, terrifying, certain instrument of execution in the Roman world. When a person was given a cross to bear, it was certain that he was on his way to death, excruciatingly painful death. Christian discipleship means certain death to egocentricity. It means emptying one's life of everything that is selfish. It means choosing death to self and desiring Christ's life over ours. We have to bear our own cross. And so when Jesus was speaking to the crowd and he said, hey, I know what you, want, what you want to see is something fancy. What you want to see is a bit of magic. What you want to see is a miracle. But actually, you need to take up your cross. He was speaking against religious sentimentality versus real servanthood. And religious sentimentality is that kind of sense that, you know, people say things, and I've heard people say things like this to me before. I go to church. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? I go to church. What, what does that mean about your actual connection with Jesus? There's a difference between I go to church and I follow Jesus. Those are two very different things. And we cannot, we cannot be people that slip into the first category of, I go to church. It is not enough. Jesus made that very clear that it is not enough. Jesus said, you need to take up your cross and follow me. To be called my disciple, you need to be carrying your cross. So when I think about counting the cost, and I'm thinking about, you know, natural terms of counting the cost, I'm thinking, do, do I really need another pair of jeans? Or, dude, that's not really my issue. My issue is this. Do I really need another baking tray that is nonstick and is quite heavy? These are the issues I have. And, and the answer was yes, and I bought one this week. So now I have about 15. Yeah, so these, these, are, these, are my, these are my issues for counting the cost. Do I need an air fryer? Probably not, but I have one. So do I, you know, these are the things that we think about. Look at the cost. Do I need this? Can I afford this. I was with my friend Jeremy. Uh, we were driving to uh, Cinnamon Bra Breakfast, I think it was. And as we were driving along and having, having a chat, there was a ping in his car and a light came on. And I don't know if you've ever seen this light come on in your car, but it's not good when this light comes on. It's not good. It's the engine light, yeah? The engine warning light. There is something wrong. When this light comes on, you have a few choices. You have the choice that I made 
a few times when the engine light in my previous car came on was, okay, I'll just slightly move my head to the right, which means that one of the, one of the bits of the steering wheel is now in the way. <laughs> so I can't see that light. Well, let's carry on. So you can do that. It's not really an option I recommend. It's not an option I recommend. Or you can think, I'm going to have to take this to get it seen to. Because counting the cost is not just, can I afford this? It is also, can I not afford to do this? Can I not afford to do this? And when the engine light comes on in your car, you can ignore it if you want to. Because you think, if I pay attention to this engine light, I'm going to have to go to a mechanic, and the mechanic is just going to see pound signs as soon as I roll up and say, my lights come on, and he's going to come up with some, some excuse that means I basically have to have a new car. Yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. And this is going to cost me a lot of money. But if you don't do it, you probably will need a new car anyway if you ignore the engine warning light. And so counting the cost isn't just can I afford this? It also is, can I afford not to do this? And so when Jesus says to the people following him, he says, take up your cross and follow me. And it all seemed quite intense. And it seemed like, ooh, can I afford to do that? Actually, the question they should be asking and the question we should be asking is, can I afford not to do this? Can I afford not to follow Jesus? At the end of the same passage, you know, there's, there's some interaction between Jesus and the crowd, and they're wanting a miracle, and Jesus keeps, you know, explaining who he is and why he's there, and everything he says, they kind of turn it into, yeah, well, give us a miracle then, and he says, it's not about miracles, it's about following me, and they say, well, yeah, but while we're thinking about that, can you give us, a, it's all, they just want a miracle. And in the end, Jesus talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He was making the point that he was going to give his life for us. And it freaked them out. It, it was too far for them. And loads of them left. Verse 60 says, On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then loads of them walked away. Verse 66, From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They counted the cost and they decided that they couldn't afford it. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him with a belter of an answer, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. How can I afford not to follow you? You have the words of eternal life. Your words are the words that make a difference. Your words are the words that, that make things happen. When you speak your words, things happen. Things come into being. How can I afford not to follow you. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will ease, relieve, and refresh your souls. It's amplified version. So do you feel heavy laden? Do you feel overwhelmed? Sometimes. Then how can you afford to not count this cost? How can you afford to not come to him? and allow him to ease, relieve, and refresh your soul. John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it in all of its abundance. 
these are the words that have eternal life. And these are the reasons why, when we count the cost, it makes sense to take what Jesus is offering rather than the alternative. Even if, and I think it's more than this, but even if it's a simple question of cost versus benefit, even if it was just, even if you wanted to boil it down to its very simplest form, um, Dell is an accountant, so he'll explain cost and benefit to you later if you want. In the light of eternity with Jesus, the cost surely does not compare. The difficulties we face on a day-to-day -day basis now here on this planet in terms, in comparison with the eternity that we will spend with the Father, surely the cost does not compare to the benefit. We mustn't be short-sighted. We mustn't lose sight of where we are headed and who we are headed to be with and who is with us now. It's not just, can I afford this? It's, can I afford not to have this? Napoleon Bonaparte, who is considered one of the greatest military generals in history, said this, and I love this. He says, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and this hour, millions of men would die for him. Jesus founded his empire upon love, and this hour, millions of men would die for him. Why would millions of men die for Jesus? And why would people over the ages, why have people died for Jesus? Because they counted the cost. And they decided that the benefit far outweighed the cost. They decided following Jesus is something I cannot afford to not do. This has to be something that I do. And when we come across and encounter people like that, these are the people who will change the world. And I want to be one of those people. And I want us all to be those people who count the cost and who say, I cannot afford not to do what God asks of me. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, a sellout. Someone is a bit of a sellout, yeah? Uh, the best example I can think of <coughs> is, let's say you, you are a band, yeah? You create music, and you're one of those bands who's, <laughs> I was going to say, live it up yourself. You're one of those bands who, you're all about the music. It's about the music, man. We create music uh, because we're, we're just about being creative and free, and we're not being shackled to anyone's idea of what we should sound like. And even if the label tells us they want, it, they want us to produce songs in a particular way, we're not going to do that. We're going to do what we feel we want to do. We're not selling out. We have particular ideals that we're holding on to. And then the next thing you know, you, you're watching TV, there's an advert for KFC Chicken, and their music is in the background. That is what you call a sellout. Someone who had a principle, who had an idea, but then something came along and they decided to give up their principles for something that appeared to be a little bit better than what they initially agreed to, a sellout. God wants us to be sold out for him, not a sellout. And it's the, it's the people who are sold out. It's the people who decide, I'm going to take up my cross and follow him. It's the people who say, where else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Those are the people who were sold out. And those are the people Napoleon was referring to when he said, Christ founded his empire upon love, and this hour millions of men would die for him.
Why? Because they were sold out. They had decided, this is who I'm following, and nothing is going to take that away. I will not be distracted from my purpose. I will not be dissuaded from the decision that I have made. I will follow him. Where else shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And so my prayer for my own life is, God, help me to get to the place where I say, God, whatever the cost, whatever the cost. And it may be something that's quite simple. It may be something that's quite complicated. You will know our journey that we've been in, in Warrington for five years now-ish, and that was, that was quite a journey to get to Warrington. And it was costly. There were things that we needed to leave behind. There were people that we needed to leave behind. There were, there were things that were great that we needed to leave behind. But we decided a long time ago that we would listen to what God had to say to us. And so in that season, we had to count the cost. And even though some of the stuff was tough and some of the stuff was quite straightforward and clear, we did what we felt God was calling us to do and moved, moved to be part of you. And so far, it's been a blessing. Up until this evening, anyway. It's been, no. It's been a blessing. You are a blessing to us. But it is costly. I'm not saying that this is easy. It is costly. And so maybe, maybe there are family situations. Maybe there are work situations. Maybe there are relationships that, that we have. Maybe there are circumstances that we know that while I'm talking about this, there's like, there's like an engine light going off inside your head. And I feel the Holy Spirit is just challenging you this evening and challenging us all. Count the cost. The benefits of following Jesus, of doing what he says, far outweigh any other cost that we may have to pay. And so we need to not be participants, not be spectators, sorry. We need to be participants. We need to be people who are not just um, into religious sentimentality. Oh, this feels good. Ooh, I love singing this song. None of those things are wrong. But we need to look past those things and look to the things that those things are about. We're here in this family celebrating together because why? Because we love Jesus. He is, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And we sing songs and we love the worship, but not because of the worship's sake, because we love Him, the, the one to whom we sing the songs. So it is more than just uh, a sentimentality. It's real servanthood. And we need to be people who are sold out, not sellouts. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, it is a challenging word, but I thank you because you didn't beat around the bush. You didn't sugarcoat stuff that, that needed to be strong. And when you spoke to that crowd and told them they needed to count the cost, Lord, you, you were speaking down through the ages to us here in Lim this evening and telling us that, that we also need to count the cost. And so, Father, where there are decisions that we need to make, I pray that you give us the strength to make them in your name, Lord. I pray that you help us to stand on your word, that you help us to trust you, that you help us not to bend under the, under the pressure, that you help us not to, uh, to be distracted or dissuaded, but I pray that you help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, that like your disciples did, Lord, that they, they would just leave what they were doing and follow you. Lord, I pray that our hearts would return to you. And that we will follow you with everything in us. Everything in us. And so, Lord, like I've said, I pray that you will help us to be people who get to the place where we say, Lord, whatever the cost, whatever the cost, I will follow you. 
In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.